What is up, everybody? We are back what today with up? another we episode of the Fetch It Podcast. We have our podcast. wonderful we guest today, Alex. Today, she Alex. is a she active is investor a that is out of the Phoenix of area and area. also Kansas City, but she is and spending her time in Yoni's neck of the woods down in sunny Florida, Fort Lauderdale. So, Alex, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got started? You are, and how you got started. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm so excited to do this. Um, my name is Alex. I'm actually, by day, um, I'm a dentist, and I started investing in real estate in 2020 when, excuse my language, but shit hit the fan and COVID started. <laughs> and, you know, I actually stopped working for three months. And, uh, you know, that kind of made me uh, change my, my thinking of everything and kind of got me into real estate. And so um, I started heavily reading books and podcasts and stuff, and um, I decided to kind of jump right in. And that's how we got started. That's interesting. So I, I just now thought of this. I wonder what percentage of people, because I got started during COVID. You said you got started during COVID, and I, I feel like at least a handful of our other guests have said mm-hmm. they got started during COVID. Well, Yoni got started during COVID. <laughs> so I, I wonder what percentage of people that were sitting at home thinking, oh, shit, maybe my job isn't as uh, reliable as I thought. I need to start thinking about other forms of income. And then, you know, how many people landed on real estate? So that's very interesting. Um, so once you decided you were thinking, okay, I think I want to, you know, go the real estate investing route, what was kind of your next step after that? And what was maybe the first property that you guys landed into? Yeah. Yeah. So I started kind of reading into real estate a little bit, um, a, like a month or two before COVID actually hit. So I, at that time oh, okay. I was just thinking, Hey, like I need to think about where to invest my money is basically what it was. And, um, COVID hit and then I was like, okay, now I really need to think about work. Cause you know, you just kind of dabble into it. You don't really take it so seriously. And then, um, COVID hit and I'm like, okay, now I really need to get serious. And so I started, you know, reading a ton of books, you know, found bigger pockets, a ton of podcasts. And I, it was like, I felt like I was almost back in school again because I was like analyzing deals. I was like <laughs> reading a bunch, you know, like reading like way more than I did probably before um, you know, on my free time. And, um, uh, we chose, I chose Kansas city as the first market. So backstory is my husband is from Kansas city and I'm from Phoenix. And so reading about like the tax strategies and things, we chose those markets because we go back to them often. So we lived in Chicago at the time. And I was like, you know what, why don't we just choose somewhere where we know it's familiar. We go back there often and let's just try it. So Kansas City was the first one we chose just because the market is just um, a little bit easier to get into in terms of pricing. And I didn't want to jump into something that was more expensive, I, I should say, that, as my first deal, because I was I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> truthfully. And truth be told, we actually have never bought an, like a primary house either because my husband's been in residency. Now he's in fellowship and we've been moving around a lot. And so we've been renting this whole time. So we really, really have never had experience purchasing any real estate. Um, And so I was just, you know, analyzing deals, analyzing deals. And I found a property and I was like, okay, the numbers work. Let me, let me do the numbers again. I did the numbers like 10 times probably. And I was like, okay, okay, it, it works. Everyone keeps saying, as long as the numbers work, they don't lie to you. And I had so much fear that I was like, I can't like, there's has to be something wrong. Like if the numbers work, why is no one else buying it type thing? 
And um, finally, I just told myself, if you don't do this now, you're, you're never going to do it. Like you're always going to have some sort of excuse. And we actually bought it sight unseen and we drove there. So we drove there because I didn't have work and my husband had, they were on rotation. So he had two weeks off. Literally the day of signing was his, the start of the two weeks off. And so we decided to drive there. So we signed the papers and then we saw the property. And then that's the first time we saw the property. And oh that was the first one. <laughs> so that first property that you purchased, was that, uh, what type of property was that? I know that you're getting into short-term rentals, some medium-term rentals, long-term rentals, a little bit of everything, which we'll dig into. But yeah. that very first deal, what was what was the type of property that you were getting into? Yeah, it was a, um, just a single family home. It was a two bedroom, it's like a very small bungalow, two bedroom, one bath. But the location was very specific because it's, literally the street away from um, the medical school, nursing school, pharmacy school, um, a big hospital, the Kansas University Hospital. Um, it's eight minutes away from the downtown area where people go out, like the bars, the restaurants and stuff. So very location specific. We turned it into a long-term rental because at the time, I, you know, I didn't really know too much about midterm rentals. I didn't know you know, the cash flow, you know, all that stuff of short-term rentals. I was really just getting into it, trying to, to kind of get my feet wet and see, and then put a tenant in there and just kind of see how it goes. So that one is a long-term rental, but we do plan to turn it into a midterm rental shortly. Okay. Do you, so what do the numbers look like from right now with, you know, what your rents are, what your mortgage is, like all your expenses, what kind of cash flow, And then what do you think that you could get whenever you turn it into a medium-term rental? Yeah, so so we got it um, at a very, it was a for sale by owner. So this this property was just like a diamond in a rough, I should say, Only because of two different things. One, it was a for sale by owner, and you guys might laugh at this, but I was listening to a podcast. It was the Bigger Pockets, like OG one with Brandon Turner, and one of the guests said, "Don't forget about Craigslist," and I was like. I never thought, I didn't even know Craigslist freaking existed still. Like, you know, I had no idea. And that's how I found this property through Craigslist for sale by owner, you know. And what's funny, the second part that's funny is they are, they are, um, prop or um, real estate investors themselves and they have multiple properties. So they actually sold us our second property because they liked us so much from the first one from Craigslist. So apparently like old school mom and pop investors, not super savvy if they are, you know, advertising things on Craigslist. They are, you know, advertising things on Craigslist. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, they had a yeah, sign was, out. I think they just put the sign outside because uh, our eight, like we had an agent that went to go tour it. Um, and yeah, they were just, it was like a, a brother, like there are two brothers and then they were partnered together and they all just wanted to retire and sell off their, their portfolio slowly. So they, their goal was to sell one property per year. And so that was that one. And then the next year they reached out to us actually and sold us the second one. Yeah. So a unicorn but, property um, with unicorn sellers numbers, on so... Craigslist. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, very much so. Um, so the rent on that one right now is 1400 
and our mortgage expenses and everything are um, like the mortgage principal or the principal taxes and insurance are about 740. And then expenses are probably like, you know, one or 200 more. So maybe like 900, 950, I would say all in. And then we're mm-hmm. renting it long-term for 1400. And then for a midterm rental, we'll probably get about 2000, 2100 maybe on that. And so we're hoping to convert that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my, my forte. That's my, I, I, and once we start talking about medians and rentals, I get all flustered. So yeah, I think 2100, if you're that close <laughs> to the facility and you've got, you know, if it's like a teaching school and there's, you know, students coming through and all of that, like I think 2100 is going to be an absolute mm-hmm. no brainer, especially if your long-term rent is 1400, because a lot of my properties that I have in Fort Wayne, you know, like the long-term rent would maybe be a thousand dollars and I'm renting them out for 2000 2100 somewhere in that neighborhood and so i'm doubling my rent so i wouldn't be surprised if you guys were able to push it up even a little bit higher just to get you some extra cash flow yeah yeah no definitely um and what's crazy is there's actually like five hospitals within a 10 minute drive and i know a lot of there's like a children's hospital nearby there's you know kansas university there i mean there's just like a bunch of hospitals so um um, I, I do think it would do, I, I do think it would potentially su- very successful su- on that one as a midterm. That's as a midterm. Absolutely. If you, need, if you need any help with it, reach out to me. I'll help you out. That's, that's, <laughs> so that's awesome. Go ahead, Johnny. Reach out to me. I'll help you out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I don't know if my audio is coming through well or not, but I wanted to ask you, it seems like you learned a lot of lessons about yourself in in the first deal about like overcoming analysis paralysis, but obviously paying attention to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, are you looking at any new deals or any new markets beyond uh, the ones that you and your husband frequent, or are there new are there new opportunities within those markets that you're looking at that you wanna that you wanna share now that now that you're going sort of more public with your real estate journey? Yeah, we're still he- heavily invested in the Phoenix market. I would say for short short term rentals. Um, but we actually just recently decided to pivot a little bit, not pivot, but add Fort Lauderdale area as well. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's new to us, but we live here right now. So it's, it's easy for us to drive around, you know, look at the properties. Um, it's a great area. I, we really like it. Um, and there are so many people that come visit. It is just busy all the time with tourists. And there's, there's little pockets, obviously, but it's, it's just so great. And we can see ourselves coming back here if we, you know, when we move out, like coming back all the time. So I think it's a win-win. So we're trying to look in this area now, area now. It's the, uh, I would say, I think this place is going to continue to grow. It has the business, very business friendly and literally always looks nice. My skin hasn't been this dark ever, so um, I'm very happy about that. So we're very pro South Florida on this podcast. So we love that you said that about that market. 
that's yeah. great. Uh, Alex and I were talking a little bit before we started uh, about Fort Lauderdale. And like literally every single person that I talked to, because I was hoping to invest down there, still may invest down there at some point in the future. But it's like everybody that I talked to said Miami is growing too quickly. It's too expensive. And basically anybody that or most people, whenever they have kids, they start to like think about moving out of like the Miami area. And then they move to like the suburbs, which is, you know, move down to Fort Lauderdale. And so they said there's so many people that move from mm-hmm. Miami with a good amount of money that want to move into the Fort Lauderdale market. So just, you know, with everything else aside of just like being a good, a great short-term rental market, it's also getting a ton of appreciation just because there's not enough supply from all the people that are trying to move into there. You got baby boomers that are moving down there, Miami people that are transitioning to Fort Lauderdale. It's just, I think it is a a phenomenal market. So I think you're going to do really well there. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope we hope we close on something soon. Yeah. Uh, so with you and your husband both having very good W-2 paying jobs, like what was kind of the mindset? I know that you you know talked a little bit during uh, COVID, like you were out of work. So that was maybe like the mindset of, oh, I need to be able to have some more, you know, residual income coming in. But was there anything else? Because I mean, you know, your husband in his orthopedic fellowship, you being a dentist, like, you know, two very successful W-2 workers. What was the idea behind, oh, I want to make an extra, you know, 500 bucks a month from a long-term rental or something like that? You know, most people in your position might think that's not even worth it. Why would I bother? with it. So uh, can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So being in our fields, um, I'm sure people don't talk about this too much is the student loan debt. And even though you hear orthopedic surgeon, dentist, you, you obviously, yes, potentially high income earners. Um, but, and I'm not scared to say this, our student loan debt is $822,000 and just student loans. And, you know, that kind of got me thinking when you hear about these people that, hey, I want to buy a Tesla. Well, instead of buying the Tesla, why don't you buy a property that pays for your Tesla? You know, that type of thing. And so I was kind of thinking of that. So instead of us working so hard at our, our jobs as healthcare providers just to pay off our student loans, we're going to feel so burnt out. We're going to feel so tired at the end of the day. We're going to feel, we're not going to, I, I know so many healthcare providers that are so burnt out. Yes, they're high income earners, but they're living paycheck to paycheck because they have, you know, they're just like paying what, you know, they're still living their lux- luxurious life, but they're paying everything off and they're not really like actually investing in something. So my goal and my thought process is instead of us being the burnt out healthcare professional, we're going to buy assets to help pay off our student loan, help buy assets to kind of supplement our income so we can actually pay attention and not be the burnt out healthcare professional. And so we just want to, you know, focus on, on, on that and focus on our, we like, we don't want to quit what we're doing. That's kind of what I'm saying is we really enjoy it. We obviously went to all the schooling for a reason. Um, so we want to focus more on our patients and not feel pressured financially to to do something um just to you know pay the bills i guess you can say so i'm i'm really passionate about what you just said um can i call you alex by the way yeah yeah alex Mm -hmm. alex cool Mm -hmm. um so if you go on tiktok and instagram there's a lot of like you know hate the w2 black and white view of it um Mm -hmm. 
what you're talking about is a much more nuanced approach and actually wiser is that there are some jobs that are pretty awesome and that it took a long time to obtain that um let's call it that degree or or that or that job whatever however you want to put it um but i the most of the people that i've met in the real estate world this is why i think you're very interesting you know they come from nothing or everything was taken from them and that's why they went for it. But, uh -huh. but you and your husband, you have a, uh, I would say it's a little bit of um, a well hard earned sort of silver highway. Yeah. You worked really hard to get to it. So what was, was there an internal thing that got you going in this direction? Like what was the, like I could talk about what got, what got me into the real estate game. I'm sure David could, but it's about you today. What, it's hard to be it's hard to be motivated when you have a when you have good stuff going on at least from my perspective what what was it about your mentality that that you were like I'm just going to lever this and make my life even more awesome than it is already Yeah yeah that's a great question actually um um I would say you know it's man um <laughs> Um, I just think that, you know, with being in re like being, I guess, surrounding yourself with people who thought like, I never just thought of it myself, I would say that. And when you start listening to people who are very inspired, like if you hear like a teacher that was able to do this and stuff, you're like, wow, that's actually, that's awesome. That's really motivating. And, um, I guess when, so when my husband was in residency, that's when we were in Chicago. That was my first years as, you know, a general dentist. Um, as a resident, you work 80 hours a week and you get paid like literally five to $7 an hour if you really calculate it. You know, you really don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure David knows. <laughs> Residents really don't get paid anything. Yeah, and um, so I was basically working as a general dentist, you know, paying my, our student loans, like paying all these bills. And I'm, I'm still kind of struggling. I, and even though I know my husband, once he's done, you know, it, it could be a, you know, a great potential, but I was still in that, in that moment, like I'm making money, but I'm still paying off a lot of things. Like we're paying off our cars, we're paying off our rent, we're paying off our student loans and we're just living in Chicago, which is, a, you know, it's a very expensive market. So it wasn't really showing much for us, you know, and I really didn't want us to be, you know, like that when he finished, because I, I know, and I've learned from others that when your income rises, sometimes your lifestyle will go with that too. And I, I kind of want to put that, not a barrier there, but I just want to watch ourselves and make sure that we have kind of a cushion as well, because, you know, I, you know, we love to travel. As you can see back here, this is taken all from my cell phone. So we love traveling and we want to be able to enjoy these things without, you know, feeling all the pressures of, you know, just, we have to stay at work. We can't take a vacation, you know, all that stuff. So I guess it was in that moment that I kind of decided, Hey, you know, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So I think what everybody's describing is the golden handcuffs, which is exactly where I was at as well, because, you know, I, I had finally, you know, graduated, got my NP, you know, was working really well and, you know, uh, high six figure job, blah, blah, blah. And 
I, I my bank account didn't really change much. And I think that's kind of what you're describing as well. And I was like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. And so that's whenever I started looking into like, okay, what, what could I be doing? What should I be doing with my cash? How can I, you know, try and amplify all of this stuff? And real estate was the first thing that, you know, popped up whenever I started looking into all of it. And uh, I think that you hit the nail on the head to where you were saying that there's so many uh, healthcare providers that get into it and they are making a really, really great income, but that income is just being eaten away mm -hmm. by student loans. Oh, well, you know, my, my uh, senior doc that's 10 years above me, they have a $2 million house. So I need to buy a $1.7 million house right down the road from them. And so then the lifestyle creep just starts coming mm -hmm. in. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're making, you know, five, six, $700,000 a year and you have nothing left for it because you're still working, you know, paycheck to paycheck, which is just madness. And so, yeah, whenever you start diversifying your income a little bit and you start, you know, getting things like real estate, then it can make a world of difference. And then you don't have to be the, you know, the burnt out uh, doctor or the burnt out healthcare provider that's working 80 hours a week just to make ends meet. Instead, you can actually enjoy what the, and the reason that you got into healthcare in the first place is to enjoy what you were doing and like get satisfaction mm -hmm. out of it because you're not, you know, a slave to the job. You're doing it because you want to. So yeah, that, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I guess like as an example and you know, I, my, I guess <laughs> some of my friends, um, you know, they're my friends from dentistry, I guess you can say um, they, they started buying things. They started buying nice, really nice, really nice cars. You know, they started buying really nice high-end, uh, you know, handbags and shoes and, you know, things like that. And at the time I was like, how the heck are they affording this stuff when I'm still, you know, like struggling to save, you know, just for emergencies and struggling to, you know, just kind of enjoy, you know? Um, and, yeah, I was just like, man, now now that I think back, I'm like, man, all that money that you guys bought, all that stuff, you could have used that for real estate. <laughs> so so let, me, let me ask you, so we got a little bit into your into your mindset, which is really impressive, to be honest, because I, I could just speak for myself. I didn't really get entrepreneurial until God, the universe, whatever, made <laughs> things very painful for me. And I was like, all right. I'm making stuff happen. So I just want the audience to know that I think you are very unique and your husband, if you be open to coming on one time is also probably very unique. Um, yeah. what, what I'm curious about is how do you handle, by the way, there's no good or bad answer to this. How do you handle your cash distributions to yourself? Do you just sort of let the, do you let it sort of stack up over time and you let a, and, and you leave a, a nice cash balance in case there's ever like a reno need. And then at the end of the year, you get, you give your guys, you give yourself something. How does that work? Or do you do it? Some people do it every month. I know everyone's different. I don't think I've ever asked a guest this question. I don't know why, but it just <laughs> popped in my head. I just wanted to ask you how you handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so far, um, we've just been leaving it in the, you know, the accounts for the specific property. Um, just let it kind of build up, um, obviously, and put a portion of it for reserves. But at the end of the year, if we have anything extra, we're just going to reinvest it either in the property, if we need to make it a convert it to a midterm rental, we'll furnish it, you know, you know, do all that stuff. Or we're going to reinvest it in real estate, as in we'll take our distributions and then put it back into something else that's, that's needed. Um, so that's kind of what we're, we're trying to just recycle the money, um, into real estate. 
Yeah, love that because yeah, uh, whenever you whenever you then get the mindset of oh, if I could, you know, I'm making all this extra money, but if I could set it to the side and then I think about oh, if I could buy another property with this, how much more is it going to snowball? And then once the snowball starts rolling, it's almost impossible to stop. So it's it's a great idea. I love it. Um, so I was going to ask then. So other than um, you know, short term rentals, medium term rentals, what's like the the ultimate goal? You know, we uh, what's like the five year goal for the two of you? You know, your your husband's going to be graduating from his fellowship this year so then that would kind of be like okay this is a starting point for you guys so what what do you guys foresee as like the five-year goal yeah so i'm gonna i think this might be the first time i'm saying it to a lot of people um my husband and i like to talk about it to each other but we've never like said it out loud to other people and see how crazy we think <laughs> people think we are. Um, so obviously we want our residential um, portfolio to, to increase, to get into multifamily, potentially, um, you know, uh, a short, a small, a smaller boat. I don't want to say boutique, but a smaller short-term rental um, um, portfolio um, that still produces a lot. So, you know, we're not trying to scale to have like 50 properties under us and, you know, each one generate like a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars per unit. We'd rather have a smaller amount, but still produces thousands of dollars per unit type thing. Um, short-term rental side of things like uh, Mr. Elefante, you know, the, the Instagram Airbnb OG guy, you know, I, I really look up to him a lot because he's only got, I think he's only has seven properties right now. I think he's working on an eighth. I think he's got something under contract, but like literally seven properties and he's pulling in over a million dollars in revenue per year. It's like the, the, and then we always, you know, we consider we recompare him and then we go to like Sean Rachajik or somebody like that with host of Airbnb automated where he's got like 152 properties, but they're all like one bed, one bath in Houston and Dallas area and stuff like that. And it's like, I know which one I would rather have. I'd rather have the six or seven properties that are making crazy amounts of money in instead of the 150 properties that are making the same amount. So yeah, going for quality over quantity is something that uh, Yoni and I and a lot of our listeners uh, uh, agree with. So yeah. David, you you want to get into David, you want to get into some personal questions or not yet? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we like to kind of try and do the same questions towards the end to um, be able to uh, like have some continuity with our things. So one of our first things that we like to ask people is whenever you were getting started in all of this, did you have a book that kind of changed your perspective on things or one that really jump-started your real estate career? Oh, I hate to be the same as everyone else, but I'm sure it's the same book as everyone else. The Rich Dad Poor Dad is the one that started it. I would say I do have other books that I, you know, uh, really really love. But that's the one that actually got me thinking before real estate was even on my radar, like at all. Um, I I know everyone says the same book over and over again, which shows how powerful the book is, though. I would say. <laughs> so uh, before you even were thinking about real estate, you I mean, usually people hear it from like a real estate podcast or something. So who uh, got you onto that book or how did you get to it? Um, I literally just Googled investing books. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid, <laughs> but I Googled books to like start investing or something like that. And it was one of the books and it was like $5 to get. And I was like, whatever, it's a $5 read. Like, I don't know. I just really wasn't like super, super serious. I was just kind of dabbling it. And I was like, okay, well, well, let me try this one. And then I, 
obviously got the good one <laughs> as the first one. Yeah. So um, something I'm thinking about, because you have one of the more unique mindsets that that we've in, in guests that we've had so far. So I'm curious to peer more into your mind and understand who I understand that was the typical book, but is your mentor typical? Meaning who are some of the people or the one person that you look up to that's your shining star that you look to for, I would say, guidance, mentorship, or in general, just it could be an influencer, it could be someone in, in the niche that you're like, I follow that person's line of thinking. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Because, you know, once you start, you know, being in this for a couple of years, there are so many, you realize there are so many people like in, influencers who are, you know, posting about what they're doing. And so it, it kind of changed, you know, along the way. In the very beginning, I would say it was truthfully like Brandon Turner, someone that, you know, started from just grinding, working, and then it just slowly built. And now he's doing these massive, massive syndications and, you know, all that stuff. But that was the very beginning because of the podcast. You know, now there's so many influencers online and you meet them in person, which is amazing. Like, you know, I just went to the STR Wealth Conference in Nashville. I met the, um, what is it, Michael Elefante. I met the Robinsons, who I love. They're, they're amazing. You know, I met um, all these people and they're so down to earth and they're like actually, you know, really cool people to just talk to, you know, and um yeah you know there's not i guess there's not one what not one mentor it's just kind of like a just surrounding yourself with multiple of them and people who are just like you um just you know they're they're not someone who had millions of dollars to start with they're just people who you know was fired from their job and they really need to get out and figure out what to do or they were like hey i my child needed you know, needed a t like, uh, you know, they were in the hospital and I couldn't be there because I had to be at my job. You know, just the people who you can actually resonate with. I think that's actually who I like to say are my mentors just because they're coming from a space that is like you, you know, and they're actually getting to where you want to be. Um, and they're a little bit faster than I am because, you know, they're, they're growing and scaling because that's, you know, the only thing they're focusing on where as me, I'm still trying to build on my dentistry as well. So, you know, I'm totally okay with growing slowly, but I still want to, I'm still growing is, you know, um, I don't even know if that answered the question or not. I'm yeah. sorry. But, it absolutely did. Um, yeah. But I, I was going to do a, uh, a little bit of a side question onto that. So is there anybody like in your immediate sure. circle? Like, do you have any family members, friends, anybody that invests in real estate or whenever you and your husband said you were going to do this, did they think, what the heck are they doing? Are they insane? Yes. No one in my circle of friends really do real estate, I should say. I actually got these friends through networking, going to these meetups or um, conferences. Um, my friends, I told them I was going to a short-term rental conference and they were like, a what? A what is that? And I was like, like, you know, where you learn how to manage and run uh, short-term rentals, how you acquire them, how you partner. And they were like, there's conferences for that? Like, what the heck? And I was like, yeah, you'll, you'll be surprised. You know, that's, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, my friends outside of real estate just didn't really 
know much about it, I guess. They didn't realize it, that it could be such a business run thing and how lucrative it could be and how, um, how really actually how fun it could be too. Um, so I, I really met the, the real estate friends through honestly social media and then going to the conferences. Cause you actually, you meet them on social media, like meet them and then you meet them in real life and you're like, Hey, like, I kind of know you, but like, you know, that type of thing. Um, a little bit awkward in the beginning, but you're like, Oh yeah. Hey, how's it going? You know? Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know Alex Sabio or if you've, um, if he's on your radar at all. Um, he is one of the guys that's basically uh, Tony Robinson. I'm sure you guys, you guys know Tony Robinson. Yeah. So Tony, Alex and Omid, and I think Lenny, um, they were all like, they all met a conference and they were all the ones that were going into, actually they were going into like apartment syndications or something. That's the one that the conference they met. And Alex is the one that pivoted to short-term rentals. And now they all pivoted to short-term rentals. And so um, he was, he's actually the one that I've been like talking to like on um, social media and he's, he's super supportive and he's so great. He actually started um, a Facebook group that's like healthcare professionals in real estate. And so that's how we got connected and everything. And we finally met for the first time and he's like, Hey, I know you kind of. And I was like, Oh, I know you kind of, but you know, it's just like one of those things. It's, really funny but yeah <laughs> that's super cool that was the reason that i wanted to go out to um denver for the first time whenever my wife and i first started traveling was because that was like the bigger pockets mecca you know i knew that there was going to be you know lots of investing meetups and stuff like that and within the first week of us being there i met the entire crew of bigger pockets other than david and brandon they weren't there but like scott trench mindy jensen tony and sarah were both there ashley was there and just like mm -hmm. the whole crew and yeah it was so funny like oh i'd been looking up to these people for like a year and a half and now i'm just hanging out having a beer with them at a brewery like it was it was so surreal so yeah getting a chance to actually go and meet you know all of these people and going to conferences a lot of people they kind of have a an aversion to paying to go you know to these conferences and i think that it's it's so 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 worth it i mean that's how yoni and i really became good friends was being down in houston uh, going to the host con with rob Abasolo. and it, it's it's so worth it to be able to go out and like meet some of these people i agree Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, went to the conferences by myself because my husband couldn't go. So I'm literally like walking in by myself. I have no, don't know anyone like, you know, at all. So it was, it was definitely something that had to, I had to get out of my comfort zone and just kind of put myself out there, introduce myself to people. And um, it was great. I met so many people. It was awesome. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go on to the next one. Do we, uh, do you have any sort of, you know, with you being, uh, in a, you know, difficult career field to get into as well as your husband, uh, do you guys have any sort of daily habits that you think that have helped excel you to the level that you're at? Um, daily habits, I would say for me, my more, I guess my morning routine, even though I'm not a morning person, um, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, I just like having a little bit of quiet time in the morning, um, just to myself, you know, have a cup of coffee. Um, I have, you know, my, my little, uh, kind of like a journal almost of things that I'm grateful for my goals for 2023, just so I can keep reminding myself, Hey, did you do this today? Or, you know, like things like that. Um, short little like devotional time. And I just, it, it kind of sets my day. I I've been doing that for a long time, but 
I, I really like it because one, I'm, I'm just kind of at peace in the morning and it, it's just nice to kind of relax and just start your day like that with my cu cup of coffee. And then two, I get to like go over um, just things that I'm grateful for and then goals that I'm trying to reach. So that's kind of what I do in the morning. Good morning. You have to tell your the audience that they have to floss. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. Coming from the dentist, that should be morning routine. Yeah. <laughs> I know people hate going to the dentist and they're probably like one of the top people they hate seeing or going to, but I promise you, if you go there for pain, it is the worst pain in the world. So if you want to, if you want to prevent that, all you got to do is take two minutes out of the day and just floss and brush. <laughs> that's so funny. Sorry. Yeah, I, had I to think bring that's a little, a little humor. So funny. I, yeah, <laughs> I, think that's... I had to bring a little uh, humor into the, into the game. Okay. But back, back to real estate for a second. I want, we can't, um, these are our closing questions. This is like a very popular one is um what's the favorite deal that you've done so far that's close to your heart and also maybe it could be your favorite deal for whatever reason what's your favorite deal so far um favorite deal this is not really in terms of well this is the most unique one i guess you can say so remember the first sellers that sold us the or the ones that we found on craigslist and they wanted to sell us the next property it's literally down the street from the first one like literally on the same street just down the street um, and we actually bought the property. So we were on vacation and we get this, we, we find a property and a different property. And we were like, Hey, we've never tried a hard money loan. Let's do it on this property. We got everything accepted. We're, we, you know, we're in the process of closing on that house when the sellers, um, of the Craigslist one called us or called our agent and was like, Hey, we're ready to sell this one. Or do you guys want it? And I'm like, well, yeah, we want it, but we're already in the middle of this hard money loan thing. Like I've never done a hard money loan. Like I'm just trying to learn, you know, like I, I, we cannot do both. Like I was kind of stressed out. Like we cannot do both. And I was like, the only way this will happen is if we can do it seller financed. And I told our agent, Hey, we really, really want it, but we can only do it if they sell or finance it to us. And our agent was like, okay, I don't know if they will, but you know, they want to sell it this year. I'm like, we'll just ask them. There's nothing wrong with asking. And he's like, well, what terms do you want to ask? And I was like, well, we don't have any, <laughs> any capital put down on this one because we're literally putting it to this other house that we're like fixing up and everything. And so I was like, just ask for like 3% down and 0% interest. And for like a couple years until we can just get this one refinanced and then we'll, we'll refinance that one. And they did it. They gave it to us. They, you know, they agreed to 3% down and 0% interest for, it was like two years because we were going to, you know, refinance this one in six months. So it gave us time to rent it out, cash for a little bit and just refinance it later. It was, it was awesome. So the, all that was from the one Craigslist thing that we found, the one Craigslist ad. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the dream right there. You know, you get into a seller financing deal. So for people that are listening that, you know, like everybody now, everybody and their brother knows who Pace Morby is, knows about creative financing. So um, can you walk mm -hmm. us through like how you came up with that? If like if you weren't super familiar with seller financing and then uh, like now that you've gone through a deal like that, do you have anything that you maybe would have done differently or did everything work out the way that you were hoping that it would? 
Yeah. Um, so you, I heard about seller financing, actually, um, just a little bits of it that, you know, you don't have to go through a bank, you can negotiate your terms and everything. And we knew that these owners owned everything outright, like at least these properties. And, um, we, you know, I, I, at the time I, I honestly, I was in the mindset, like, why not just ask what is, what is so wrong about just asking, you know, the worst they can say is no. And then there you are like at the same spot you were before. And so, um, if I can go back, honestly, I, I was very surprised they agreed to that because we were throwing like a 3% down 0% interest. Like I was, I was like, they're not going to go for it. Like even our agent, our agent literally told us they're not going to go for that. And I was like, just ask them, you know, literally just ask them. And I'm glad that he did, because if he, if he didn't, like, if I listened to him, I would have been like, okay, increase it to, you know, a little bit more or something. But um, if I can go back, I would just advise um, people to not be scared to ask, because even if you lowball them in the beginning, it's just a conversation. You're opening up the dialogue. They can either come back to you with different terms, and then you start the negotiation process, or they just say no, and then you say, okay, well, well, what works for you? Or, you know, and then you, you start that dialogue again. Um, and I think that's what I learned a lot about that lesson or that finance deal is don't be scared to ask. Because again, I was, we were literally sitting there on vacation with friends and um, we're, we literally closed on both houses in the week, in a week, like the same two of them in a week. And I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, I was actually like, oh my God, this is actually happening. This is happening a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> So um, don't be scared to ask is is something I would say. So what was the ultimate outcome with that house? Like, what did you guys end up doing with it? We turned that one because we didn't have the, you know, we had a lot um, going into the hard money loan one. We didn't, you know, I, I was truthfully, I was more focused on the hard money. Sorry. I was truthfully focused on the hard money loan one because that was my first time using a hard money loan. And we were, you know, uh, rehabbing it, you know, it was, there was a lot going on in that one. So I was focused on that, that I just put a long-term tenant in there because it was just easier for me. So I didn't have to manage uh, short-term rental or midterm or anything. Cause I, I really, at the time was just focused on getting this rehab done. Um, and by the way, I've never been to these properties, the other, these two. So I still to this day have never been to them. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's the dream, right? So, uh, and then, uh, sorry, I just keep asking questions about this because it's such a great deal. I love everything about it. People are going to think this is oh, super cool. So yeah. then with the, uh, with the hard money, how did you guys find a hard money? Cause I know a lot of people, whenever they're listening, especially if they're very new on or like early on in their investing career, they might be like, okay, sure. Yeah. Like you just find a hard money lender on the side of the street or something, you know, like a lot of people don't know how to even start that process. So how did you go through that? And how did you find this hard money lender and what were terms like for that? Yeah, so I read the book. Uh, it was a bigger pockets book, like um, buying, I, I, like no or low money down or something like that. Um, and you know, they they talk about hard money. So I was like, okay, we've never tried it. I think I was just, I was just in it for experience, like trying things. I don't even know. I was just like, you know, we never tried it. People say it's very, you know, you can do it. So if they can do it, we should be able to do it. So I actually just posted on Bigger Pockets uh, the forums, and um, I looked through there and talked to a multiple of them, and just kind of you know wrote down everything. I wrote down like the interest rate things, the terms, and 
you know, all that stuff. And we finally got um, to one and they were so great. I would literally call them on a Friday night, like at like 10 o'clock and be like, okay, you have to explain this to me again because I don't understand it. Or like, like, can this happen? Like, what if this happens? Like, help me out here. And they were super nice. I mean, they were so great. He's actually based out of Fort Lauderdale, by the way, or Miami, Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we, we came, we decided to close with them. They were super great. They sent us a letter like right away, like pre-approval and everything. And it was pretty smooth, honestly, the, the whole process. But um, we bought the property for like a little bit about the numbers. We bought the property for 160 and it was a 9% uh, interest rate for the hard money. We put uh, like, we only, we put like 35 to 40 into it and then it reappraised for 250. So we did, you know, we left a little bit of money in the deal, but um, it's a short-term rental. And the first month that it was a short-term rental, we were cash flowing like $2,000 the first month. Um, so just that alone, I mean, that was just the first month and, um, yeah. So basically right now we're just, just profiting at this point. So it's great. That's fantastic. So that's, uh, uh, truthfully, I, I have not yet done a uh, hard money loan yet. It still seems like it would just be something that's kind of like, I don't know, a, a hassle, but it sounds like it was relatively streamlined for you and it wasn't too much of a, a painful process. So people go out, try and find your hard money lenders and start getting some good deals done. Yeah. And another thing I would say is they also look at the numbers with you. So it's not like they're just basing it off of what you're saying. So they're, cause they're obviously in it to make money and make sure they're going to get their money back. So they also look at the numbers and make sure that you know, your numbers like line item by line of how much, you know, you're going to put into this, this, and this for rehab. So it, it really helps me to look at it. Cause there are some things that I missed and they were like, Hey, you need to allocate money for that because you know, you're going to do that. So, um, that, that also helps a lot. I love that. I've actually, I've heard Brandon Turner say that before, like, you know, the bank and like hard money lenders and stuff like that. They're like the best partner that you could have because they've done infinitely more deals than what you have done. And they're a lot smarter typically mm -hmm. than what you are in regards to like, what's going to need to be done because they've done this so many times. So yeah, if you can have somebody like that in yeah. your corner, that's double checking your numbers and they're like, yeah, this'll, this'll work. Or like this pencils out, then it just makes you feel even better about the situation. So yeah, love that. Um, okay. So, uh, last question then is, do you guys, guys have yeah, can any I... current struggle oh go ahead yeah i was just gonna say something really quick just for like maybe people out there who are scared to invest or you know maybe scared to do a hard money loan we chose properties that were a lower price point because we were just where we were trying it for the first time because you know we could have done that with a, a market like a phoenix property for six hundred thousand dollars and i'm like well, dang, that's, you know, that's six times the amount. So why don't we just try it with something smaller so we can get the hang of it, understand the process, and then we can scale from there. Cause that's how people start or that's how people get hung up sometimes is they're like trying to like reach so far ahead when they can just start something small and then build on that, like get the foundations right. And then build on that and start with something small, but at least you're doing something and taking action. And that's kind of how, why we did that with the Kansas property. It was like in a lower price point, at least we did it. Now I know how everything works. I know how to manage a, a freaking rehab from, you know, thousands of miles away and I've never been to the property still. So, um, yeah, that's just a little advice I thought I'd, I'd throw in there. 
Love that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I think I cut out there for a second. So, um, so last question then. Um, how, do you guys currently have any sort of struggles within your business that could be, you know, finding a, a realtor in Fort Lauderdale or contractors or whatever? Any struggles in the business right now that our uh, listeners could help you with? And then how can people find out more about you? Because I think people are going to find you very interesting and want to follow you on your journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, I guess our, our most struggle is... Um, capital you know everyone struggles with that so we're looking for partners to do, uh, partner with in Fort Lauderdale in Phoenix um, you know we we love partnerships we, we've done a couple so you know we, we've done some and um, they're great I mean I, I I love it and if anyone is interested in investing but you know maybe you don't have the time or you're just you know just want help you know along the way just reach out to me you can find me on Instagram it's at underscore Alexandra Burnham. And yeah, that's how you can find me. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. Yoni, anything else you got to say before we get you guys out of here? All right. Well, then this has been another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, everybody, give us a, a listen. Give us a subscribe. Share it with somebody that might find this interesting. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>